and welcome back everyone to another edition of the bonus features podcast once again i am your host ed grover and uh joining me after a brief hiatus from last week is uh my trusty sidekick i'm matt yeah good to be back thanks for having me matt where were you last week uh i was in the building uh actually uh doing other stuff but i did i did come in and uh check things out and i saw the couch situation and thought you know what uh that looks crowded as it is and uh just figured i would uh excuse myself we were definitely packed in pretty tightly there yeah, yeah. um and it was as, weighted down as a result we uh we've relocated we have uh, we found uh, an empty room, not that hard to do. Uh, we found an empty room here at the church, and uh, we set it up as our full-time studio. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we're very excited about this. Yeah. Uh, we've got our own space. I feel like other podcasts would be jealous of this setup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to jump right into it this week, get to the important stuff, because we don't want to lose you. we got to hook you. Um, <laughs> so on Sunday morning, we talked uh, about... Um, what did we talk about? On Sunday morning, we talked about... The Perfect Storm. The Perfect Storm. Yeah. which Without a George Clooney reference, which I was proud of. Which, so, yeah. yes. Uh, Matt, do you know why uh, I chose that name for the sermon? Uh, I think it's your love of George Clooney and all things Batman. And so, um, you know, anytime you get George Clooney, you're just one step away from a really bad mid-90s Batman movie. So. You know, the um, the... The passage itself uh, actually, by name, uh, refers to Mark Wahlberg and George Clooney, which surprised me. It, it predicted a storm off of uh, northeastern yeah, U.S. coast. That's yeah. in the TNIV. And so um, so I thought, well, I mean, if it mentions both of them, then I may as well. A movie had both of those guys in it, and I thought the perfect storm. Yeah. There it is. So yeah. that's the name of the... So, so I'm going to throw it to Matt, and I'm going to say, uh, Matt, what... Um, what did you, what do you want to, what do you want to talk about? Yeah. Uh, what, what jumped out at you? Cause we got a couple of different things yeah. that we want to talk about. Um, what do you think? It was an excellent sermon. Uh, yes. first off, let's yeah. talk so about that. Let's, uh, with my, with my yearly review coming up, let's just throw that out there. Um, I think as you and I have been working through the series, preaching and, and talking about it, um, as we both work on it through the week. I think every time we sit down, we're like, man, how in the world do you, we talk, James just lays it out and it's pretty, you know, straightforward and practical. Um, but as you get deeper into it, uh, you just, you realize places where even we're, we're prone, we are prone to do this. And, and, and we, I, I think especially um, uh, the week that I talked about, uh, good works or, or works of love being proof of our faith and the things that we rely on instead of that to say why faith, especially our reputation or our, our knowledge and say, well, because I have these things, I can look back and, and point at that. Um, or I know certain facts, then that shows I have faith. Uh, and seeing that in my own life and, and doing that. I, I think even to the growth group that I visited on Sunday night, one of the questions uh, in our study was about, uh, is there ever a time that you can think of that you've been slow to pray about something or just haven't prayed about it at all because you were worried that God would change your heart? 
And I was totally expecting people to be like, no, I can't think of it. And the entire group was like, oh, yeah, we've done that. Like they and people had specific examples of things even currently. They're like, I don't want to pray about it because I don't want to think differently about it. I don't want to feel differently about that person. Mm. And so um, just seeing that um, both in our preparation, but also how people are responding to this thing is i mean it's it's stuff we all know and yet we normalize it like it's gonna be this way Mm -hmm. and that's what james is even calling the church in his day back to is saying don't get to that place where you just expect it like god has his best in mind for you so go to that don't settle Mm -hmm. for less than that yeah yeah i think i well you you see a tendency in doing that as a for example in the church where uh, we say, you know, uh, it's so easy to accept certain things and say, this is how people are. Yeah. I know it's, I know it's wrong. Yeah. I know that the Bible would say it's wrong, but I also accept it in, in, in the way that we work, you know? Yeah. And, and he's saying these things like, you know, obviously the, the, there was this tone idea of like, of like James would walk into a church probably and get a sense instead of a loving environment yeah. of an adversarial environment. Yeah. And then that sort of becomes accepted. Like when you look in America, you accept the fact that we're divided, that we're, um, you know, bipartisan, that we're like sort of galvanized. And that we and, associate based on like these other things. Yeah. yeah. And, mm-hmm. and and in the church, you can accept the same thing. You yeah. could be like, oh yeah, well, you know, the of course we're divided, yeah. you know, by because we're different ages or we're different, you know, uh, political, uh, you know, leanings. And, and yeah. so, and then you accept it, it becomes normal. And James is coming in and saying, like, this is not, this can't be normal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We, 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 we take the cousin Eddie approach with people. That's like, they're just our crazy cousin Eddie and they're going to say things and do things. And we just kind of accept them for who they are. Mm-hmm. And, and it's good to offer grace. And yet James is saying, there are these like things that are, are killing you and killing the body. And they can't, you can't do mm-hmm. take that approach with fighting and quarreling yeah. in the church. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that, um, that, so that if you read the passage, you you know you may think like, well, well, why does this? Why does this? You know, this seems to talk about desire and and passions and things like that. Why would we be talking so much about the quarreling side of it? It seems kind of like a negative approach. But um, but uh, one of the things that's evident in this passage is that these these fights and quarrels they're started simply by people wanting things like mm-hmm. you want something yeah you want stuff you want money you want notoriety respect control power authority any of those things uh and you don't get it and then you immediately find a person or a group of people to become an enemy and yeah. it happens in the church yeah. you know and yeah. i think the i think you see that you see that struggle and um some of the i think i was saying in the um yes just yesterday morning um that the things that make us angry, they do say a lot about us. And there's a difference between being, having conviction for something and being angry about something. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think it's, uh, the struggle is heightened in American Christianity because we do have this ability in our culture and the feeling that once I am able to say what I want and what I would like to have. It is within my power, my ability, my rights to have that then. Um, you can call it consumeristic. Um, I think it even maybe runs deeper than that. But once I say this is what I want, this is how I like things, then it is I, I get to have it that way. And actually, the kingdom of God works the complete opposite, that the moment we 
realize and can can point to our desires, then instead of being able to grab onto them, we actually lay them at the altar of God and say it's you know for His to either you know honor and glorify or for His you know or to kill and, and to sacrifice you know for His will yeah so yeah the um it's really it's really easy to um accept like sort of reckless foolish words uh as this is just normal this is the way we are and and james is saying um don't accept it um it's foolish it 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 has more uh it causes more hurt than you think like like so much of what james is doing is he's trying to convince the church that these things they already know they're wrong they know they shouldn't do them but they're kind of like yeah i know i shouldn't but oh well yeah what's it really going to do is going to hurt you know it could be worse you know um and and he's trying to convince you of just how bad this thing is. That's what I've seen a lot in James is it's like a big flashing warning sign saying, uh, if you don't stop this, it's going to like wreck you or wreck this community or your family. And I think it's wise to, you know, to kind of pay attention to it because of that. Yeah. Another thing Ed, that I really like that you talked about was um, I like any sentence that starts with that. Well, you, you know, know, I, I do mean, what I can, man. Can yeah. we do a T-shirt? <laughs> I have this idea. I want to start a, a T-shirt company where you you put phrases on T-shirts <laughs> that are they're kind of okay, but they're also kind of not okay. You know what comes after? And then just, you see yeah. it on a T-shirt and you think, you know, maybe that isn't. You know, what was what was it? Uh, yeah. Well, with all due respect. Yeah, I, I think that is the perfect shirt for an assistant pastor to just with wear, all due around, respect. <laughs> wear around all day. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get mad at sure this is with all due respect. I said with all due respect. I, I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then you said your messages are horrible. You're an idiot. <laughs> like, and yeah. I can't. Uh, I said with all due respect. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, slippery slope. Yeah, it's a slippery slope. It's That's a slippery a good one. slope. Um, better safe than sorry. Better safe than sorry. Yeah. Yeah, better safe than sorry. Um, I, I, think I feel like that would be a really good t-shirt for a plumber to wear around a lot. <laughs> I think once you get, I think once you get above a certain age, you just get that shirt for free. It comes in the mail. <laughs> yeah. Better safe than sorry. Yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, uh, anyway, if anybody has any ideas for my t-shirt company, uh, yeah. w- but, but we're going to go with, uh, well, what was it? What was it? It was, uh, another thing I really liked about your message. Is that, is that? Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah. Another, another thing I liked about your message was, getting into the context behind um, the, the zealots and, and having zeal and, and talking about uh, passions in that way. And I think through our just kind of discussing a little bit more, there's a lot more there. So kind of yeah, delving into that, geeking, yes. geeking out. Uh, to oh say. boy, here we go. Yeah. Um, I'm a little sick, so I've been trying to do my movie <laughs> trailer, movie trailer voice. voice. In a world. Um, the uh, That's funny. Um, so... One of the things that's been evident here in James over the past several passages we've looked at is they had a real problem with people coming in and teaching things that were antithetical to the gospel. Um, And these people would come in. That's why a few passages ago it talked about the taming the tongue and how it could steer a ship like a rudder could steer a ship, just like a teacher could steer an entire congregation or a person's tongue could steer their whole body. Um, and then talking about wisdom saying, you know, you, you listen to a lot of these teachers cause they have worldly wisdom, but that's, that's, so there's a, there's a vein here of teaching and listening to false teachers. Um, and this passage, uh, it's clear that the strife and the bickering comes from different, uh, viewpoints on things, uh, based on the fact that 
these teachers had come in and they were teaching different things. And so anyway, one of the groups that did that, that was um, one of the more destructive is the, the zealots. And um, um, if you've ever read Acts and, uh, and you've heard Paul referred to as one with zeal, uh, he was a part of that group and that's a specific group of people. And it is uh, really, really fascinating when you look at where this group came from in scripture in the Jewish community. The zealots were a group um, within the Jewish community, and they have been around for a long time before Jesus uh, came and had his ministry on the earth, um, and they kind of started in some of what we read about in the Old Testament. They were a revolutionary group, and they tried to basically, their job in their mind, the zealots were focused on purifying the Jewish church, um, which uh, there is always going to be a group in any religious group yeah. that is the more extreme our job is to keep it pure. Yeah, in Jesus' day, their, their whole idea was to kick Rome out of Israel and by force. It, it, yeah. The ends justify the means. Yeah, yeah, that, that sums them up, the ends justify yeah. the means. So where you trace this all the way back is back in Numbers, um, uh, there is the well-known story of uh, Balaam's uh, donkey. Yeah, keep we'll it say. PG. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so if you're familiar with the story of Balaam and the donkey, um, basically uh, it's back in numbers that you read about it in the Old Testament. Um, the, the king of Moab is uh, afraid of the Israelites and their invasion. And so he sends uh, Balaam with a curse to curse them. Um, and basically there's this thing with the donkey. It doesn't get to go. It does. Things don't work out. The donkey talks. It's very funny and hilarious. Um, just think of the Shrek donkey um, for that near mental image. And then, uh, and then Balaam doesn't do it. He blesses them instead of curses. Exactly. Them. He blesses them instead of curses them because God gets to him. Um, and so then the king of the Moabites, uh, the king of Moab, um, he decides that he's going to do something else. He's going to send some girls to Israel. And the idea is um, if I send these prostitutes to Israel and they tempt these men and the men uh, cheat on their wives and they sleep with these prostitutes, then they will defile themselves and they will no longer be God's people. And then God won't honor them. And, and it's a very effective strategy because it works. Uh, he sends these women in and the men become so infatuated with them that they are so bold in their adultery that there is an instance where um, a man uh, is in a tent. He's like kind of in a tent with Moses and Aaron, and he's leaving the tent with the prostitute kind of very boldly saying like, oh, we're going to go do this thing now. And, and just like, doesn't feel ashamed of it at all. Uh, well, we read about one, um, priest. He's, uh, his name is Phineas, Phinehas, his name's Phinehas. And he's the son of Eleazar, who is the son of Aaron. So he's the grandson of Aaron. And it says this in Numbers 25, uh, 7. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest saw it, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. So um, this priest was so bold that he took this action, killed these two people, these sinners, and God stopped the plague. Well, it says afterwards that the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel and that he was jealous with my jealousy among them so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore say, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace and it shall be to him and to his descendants after him the covenant of perpetual priesthood because he was jealous for God and made atonement for the people of Israel. So what this means, this, this person, Phinehas, 
is a is is widely respected in the Jewish community because he is the priest who had the jealousy of God. See, uh, he was so jealous for God, like in the way God's jealous, you know, because God always talks about being jealous of His people's, um, um, you know, looking to other things. His jealousy or zeal was so extreme that he was willing to even kill to purify the land. And because of that, he had a great blessing. Well, a, a group is formed based on this idea and this event, and they are the zealots and those with zeal. And their argument is our job is to purify, keep the Jewish people pure at all costs. This is why you see Paul condoning the stoning of Stephen. This is why you see people getting murdered um, for religious things. It's because, uh, and you go, you know, that doesn't seems a little harsh, you know, even for the even for maybe some of these Jewish Pharisees. Well, it is harsh, and the Zealots were known for being willing to do whatever it takes to purify the Jewish Church. Well, the same Zealots came into the early Christian Church and did the same thing. They said, they said we have to have this zeal. So. Um, so this was a whole group of people that were aimed at and trying to convince the people of the church, you need to be more, you know, you need to be better safe than sorry. You need to make purity the absolute goal. And, um, and this is not an uncommon thing in the church today, which is why it comes up when you talk about strife and conflicts. I mean, how much conflict and strife in the church comes up from, from some people thinking our way is the way the church ought to be. Yeah. Our way is the way worship, teaching the word, um, the the way the ministries work, the culture of the church, the dress code of the church, the language used in church, all that stuff. Ours is the way it ought to be, and here's why. And uh, this is keeping it better, you know. Um, Matt, question, uh, how would zeal for purity, uh, how could there be a downside? To that? I think that a, a, a zeal particularly for purity uh, it has a way, passions and zeal, uh, really, I, I think the best way to say is they give us a sense of, they give us tunnel vision. They, they put the blinders on it. And, and to do that, we have to start eliminating things. We, we don't see uh, things. We, we block them out. We, we cut them out of our life. We separate ourselves from them. And so um, particularly, I think the first thing to go anytime that we have a, a, a zeal in this way, particularly for something like purity, is people are the first, other people are, are the first casualty of that. And we don't regard them, regard them we regard them less than human, less than made in the image of God oftentimes. That's expendable because there's this thing, there's this idea of purity that we, we've just got to be racing after and if they get in the way then we've got to get them out of the way and we do this with so many other things we, we do this with ideas like community even where we're, we're so focused on this idea of community that if anybody at the same time that we're saying we need community with people we're willing to cut people out of our lives for it and um what what passion and zeal has the tendency to do is it gets us so focused on this one aspect of what God wants that we lose the larger picture of what he wants and we lose the scope of God's kingdom um, and we boil his kingdom down to one idea one thing and um, and the first thing to usually go when we do that is the great commission and God's calling us out to other people and to love other people and to care for other people and, and to love them enough to sacrifice our life in the way that he did so that they can come to know him 
And, uh, and so I, I see that happening when we get focused on um, some of these ideas. I, I think all of this stuff, I mean, purity is a good thing. Yes, God wants it, but he, he doesn't want it at the expense of us just mowing people down because what he wants is purity so that people can come to know him and they can have, again, his best and they can know him and have him. Yeah, there is a, when people talk about the church remaining pure, that's not a bad thing. No. But usually when they emphasize that one thing, they're doing it at the cost of reaching out to others, um, um, stepping out in faith, you know, it's, it's a very protective way of thinking. And so you, you do, there is a cost to that thing. And, and that's what you see with the zealots. They come into the church and they begin teaching this and people really like it. People really gravitate towards it. And then they start to bicker amongst one another because they say what I want, because this passage is ultimately rooted in the idea of desire. Um, you desire things that you can't have and then you get angry. Well, what would they want? They want the church to be a place of um, purity. Yeah. They want the church to be a place of holiness and they are not getting it. So yeah. they get angrier and angrier. And then it's like, it's not that Satan is the reason I'm not getting what I want. It's that this group of people is the reason I'm not getting yeah. what I want. And I'm angry at them. And, yeah. and, and, and if they lose, then I get what I yeah. want, you know? And, I, th- I think it's also what we see here is the difference between the old Testament and the new Testament. It is no longer our job to keep Christ's church pure. He does that. And so we can see ourselves as crusaders uh, that you talked about on Sunday to we have to do this thing because if we don't do it, no one else will. And scripture is really clear that he's the one that keeps the church pure. And our job is to love people enough that they come into contact with him. Um, Yeah. I want to get a little practical here, a little bit more practical, yeah. uh, and we're gonna we're gonna have a fight right, right now, you and me, physically, oh. okay. um, uh, to illustrate this point. Um, just Great. kidding. So, um, no, to get even more practical, Matt, um, can you give me an example of something that you have had conflict with people or with someone over in? Uh, the church. And I, and I don't want, I don't want, this isn't like where you ask somebody in a job interview, what, what, what are your weaknesses? And they say, I'm a perfectionist, you know? Yeah. I, I think my weak, I think my greatest weakness is I don't have any weaknesses. Yeah. I'm a workaholic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, you're yeah. going to have to tell me to stop yeah. working. No, probably the, I mean, there's obviously a few, I, I think the one that probably makes me look the worst. And so that's the one I'll share is, um, we, uh, at my old church in, in Kentucky, I wasn't a pastor. I, I was what I, where I attended when I was in high school and, uh, college and seminary. We had a, uh, we had a men's, uh, church softball team and, uh, nothing good ever comes out of men's church softball teams. Um, I, I'm pretty sure Paul said that you need to shut them down, uh, mm. in the early churches. So. Yeah. You want to talk about conflict and strife? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I should have called the sermon. <laughs> yeah. Church, men's softball, <laughs> men's softball <laughs> teams. Yeah. So, um, we, 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 we had this team, we had plenty of players and then a, a couple guys, uh, started bringing, uh, their wives, uh, to play, which was just, you know, the worst thing ever. Uh, right. And so, uh, and I wasn't really mad about them necessarily bringing their wives. I had, I had no problem with that, but we had a lot of players already and it was just adding more people to it. And so it meant less playing time. And that to me was annoying. 
And so instead of doing what I should have done and gone and talked to them and been like, hey, we already have a bunch of people, that sort of thing, um, I went to the pastor that was uh, kind of in charge of it. it wasn't really. Um, but just talked to him. And I, when you I think, say talk to him. Yeah. I mean, when you say talk to him. I mean, were you. Was I yelling? Were you upset? Yeah. Was it like. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe like a step below Bobby Knight throwing a chair. Let, let, let's okay. say that. No. Yeah. I, I, I was calm. I but, don't know who that is. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, Sports reference. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I remember your audience. Um, so we. I, I think the thing that I'm most ashamed of, other than not going and talking to them, is how I was. I mean, I couched it in all the right terms. I knew how to talk about this thing. It's like, hey, this is for guys. It's for community with guys. They're bringing their wives. It, it's, you know, I'm worried for their safety. All that kind of stuff. It was just, it was a bunch of like, I, I used every Christian excuse I could think of to push my own agenda of, hey, I just want to play as much as I can, and they're bringing more people, and it's kind of getting in the way of that. And uh, and so, yeah, so definitely um, had a desire and didn't didn't pray, pray about it because I knew, like, hey, if this was – if I prayed about it, God would be like, shut up, it's a men's church softball team. So, he yeah. Doesn't, he doesn't say shut up. Yeah, well – um, I don't know. He, I feel like he's told me a few times. About is it true that your uh, your nickname when you played softball was Matt the Hat because <laughs> you were always taking off your hat and throwing it on the ground, and stomping on it? And stuff? Come on, guys. Yeah. So come on. Um, yeah. I they well, show, they show up their wife would get the car. You got to be kidding. Yeah. So well, that's a great example, Matt. Um, yeah. I don't have any. So let's. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Pretty true. Let's wrap yeah, it up. So. Um, so it looks like we're running out of time. Oh, here. you can't do that <laughs> to me. Come on. <laughs> No, I don't. I can't. I can't think of one. Yeah. I just don't. I have this perfect ability to balance like passionately caring about things and uh, not ever caring even a little bit too much. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I would say the first church that I worked in as a youth pastor, they were uh, they were doing a building campaign. Our church had been given when the church was planted, they were given a piece of property that was like prime property in town. And so from day one, it was like, we're going to build, we're going to build. And it's going to be amazing. And for the years that I was there, I got really bothered by how much we talked about the building. Everything seemed to be focusing around how our building was going to function and that it was going to be the thing that drew everybody. And I think it felt like our identity was the, it was the field of dreams identity. You know, if you build it, they will come and, and it's going to be this great thing. And it, um, you know, right, right in the middle of like the big capital campaign for it, it was, uh, it was just, I was so, uh, you know, and, and I'm, you know, to be fair, I'm I'm probably 24. So, um, I, I was, I, 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 I had literally learned everything at that point. And when you're 24 and you've learned everything there is to learn, it's a burden. That is a burden. And so you're going to be weary. Your defenses are going to be down. (laughs) And, uh, and so I, I, I was not, um, I wasn't very careful with my words when I talked to uh, the pastors, um, the other pastors above me. Um, I, 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 you know, asked a lot of people to quote pray, you know, pray about it for me. Um, I, I tried to find out who else felt the way I did because yeah. I thought, you know, I, I mean, I think, I think, 
you know, of course that can't possibly be wrong, right? To yeah. go around telling people what you're upset about, trying to see who else is upset about it. Because, you know, it's the pastors would want to know how many people are upset about yeah. it. Um, Jesus, and, Jesus yeah. did that quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, he did that yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, and I just made a big stink about it and it didn't do anything. It didn't change anything. And the only thing that it did was it gave me a lot of, res- a lot of guilt and regret after the fact. I, I, I remember looking back and thinking, man, I just really resent, like regret how much I, how much I, I like was divisive and, and was like upset. And I definitely also made it like anybody involved with the building, anybody that was, that was talking about that. I immediately assumed they were, they were like the wrong kind of Christian. They cared about the wrong, it was a lot of assumptions about them. And, um, and so it really, really damaged my ability to be like, a part of that church community at a certain point mm-hmm. because I let it become such a big thing. And I, and I remember one day that I was the most upset about it. I, I went to the park and I took a Bible and I was reading it and I was like, you know, God, I'm so upset about this. I know you are too. We're both here upset about it. You and me, uh, you know, and I'm trying to read things of the Bible, but everything I read in the new Testament was talking about unity mm-hmm. and basically saying it like really, whatever you're upset about, don't let it get in the way of unity. Yeah. And I remember being really frustrated and mm-hmm. being like, uh, I got to stop reading the Bible when I'm mad about this stuff. Cause it is going to say things I don't like. So, yeah. um, stay and, clear. And I eventually apologized, I think to everybody that I, that I like worked with at some point after that and saying like, I was really lame about that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that when we talk about divisiveness in the church, we talk about having a desire for something and it turning into arguments and, 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 uh, quarreling and stuff. We talk about it. Um, like, like even as Matt and I are talking about it here, like we talk about it knowing it is so prevalent because it's so easy for us to do. I mean, it is so true that we, uh, we create these, uh, these sort of divisions within the church. And we think that our thing is like the, the hill to die on, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why, I mean, I'm excited. That's why we're going to do a series on unity in a couple of weeks. And uh, when James is over, we've decided like, that's one of the things that we want to talk about as a church is unity because we see this leaning that way. So, yeah. Well, I think we're pretty much out of time. Yeah. Um, so I want to thank um, my guest, Matt, um, for coming and, uh, and doing this with me. It's always an honor. Um, as always, you'll get your uh, you'll get your three dollar and fifty cent Starbucks gift card. Thanks um, as a, as a thank you. Yeah. Um, I want to thank Caitlin, who's there in the engineer booth. As always, uh, she is turning the dials. She's flipping switches. I think there's even some flashing lights. It looks like Caitlin's working on a shadow box or a diorama or something. She's making good use of her time. Um, well, I also want to thank our sponsor for this week. It is, uh, it is a, a new company that we just found out about and are really excited about. It is called uh, Christian Colors, and they are a Christian paint color mm. company. Yeah. Uh, so next time you yeah. want to paint your house, your church, it doesn't have to just be churches. I mean, it really doesn't. Uh, there's all kinds of, of Christian-specific colors. Matt, do you remember what any of them were? Purgatory beige was uh, quite encapsulating. Um, and that's yeah. just kind of like an in-between color. Yeah, you know, just kind of, you kind of fit, yeah. you're, you're just waiting for something better to come, <laughs> come along. Yeah, yeah, I think there's like a, it's a red, transition the, color. <laughs> I think you got red letter red. Yeah. You got church purple. 
Um, also church soloist purple. Oh, um, yeah. you've got streets yeah. are paved with gold, gold. You've got, um, and then there's like the, the bad ones like smokers teeth yellow, <laughs> which is just, those are just supposed to make you not want to do sinful things. There's, uh, envy green. Mm. So uh, anyway, Christian yeah. colors, uh, check them out on their website. It's uh Christian colors.net slash org dot identity theft <laughs> backslash. AOL.gov. Uh, and uh, until next time, shalom. Wow. Like, we we do core with each other over things, and I've cored with people over stuff, um, even though I wouldn't have thought of it that way. So, too long. <laughs> <laughs> just start doing that during the podcast. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Ed? What are you trying to say? <laughs> I should just do that. <laughs>